everybody welcome to the 213th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage and he is dealing with some uh weird feelings now man there's been who's a lot the of- emotion monster now huh i just want hey milwaukee win a chip for me That's no like- milwaukee gets to the finals and be runner up to portland for you <laughs> Hey, I didn't I think Giannis would leave and then that adds a whole new I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is a fantastic game that I'm getting really into. But I got a text from you saying we got Robert Covington. I'm like, you fucking with my emotions here, bud. And you said no. So I had to go on Twitter. And then like three minutes later, I get the notification from you because I'm too slow on the draw to see it myself. The Pelicans traded Drew Holiday to the Bucks. I'm like, Whoa, I didn't think that they would be the team that was interested in his services, but apparently they are. And that these two trades weren't the only trades of the day. You had another Western Conference contender in the Phoenix Suns go all in with with the Chris Paul acquisition. Uh, We saw the Lakers uh, get uh, Dennis Schroeder. So everyone is loading up for this shortened 72 game Mm -hmm. season. The window is open. Lots of teams are going after it. We will also discuss the drama that is going on in Houston, which really could have opened the doors for Neil Olshay to uh, negotiate uh, the Robert Covington trade. And it, it's it's a whirlwind. We were actually scheduled to talk draft. Uh, the draft is on Wednesday at about 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we were going to go over some of the prospects that we liked, uh, our hot takes. And we'll still do a little bit of that, but... The big news of the night is the Portland Trailblazers signaled to their franchise superstar, Damian Lillard, we are here for you. We are going to try and win now. This is hopefully the first of many moves this offseason. And here it is, Sage. They traded Trevor Ariza and his expiring $12.8 million contract. They sent him to Houston along with the number 16 pick in this draft. And what we don't know is the protection on the 2021 first round pick in exchange Portland gets the Swiss Army front court player Robert Covington, a player Blazer fans have really coveted for some time now. He is 29 years old. He is under contract for two more years at about $12 million per, per year. He's a former first team all defense. He can play the three, the four, the five, can hit can hit outside shots. He can defend multiple positions. He is everything that the Blazers have needed. For, for quite some time, especially mm. since the NBA went to a more uh, space and pace, uh, a lot more positionless basketball. And we really saw how exposed the Blazers got on defense when the injuries piled up and especially in the bubble. If we were winning games 130 to 128, it's not how it's going to get done. You have to have some sort of defense and you have to have knockdown shooters. Sage, I, I liken this addition to a souped up version of Al Farouk Aminu someone who is going to be able to take on the team's best front court player, play solid defense for 30 minutes a night and shoot about 37, 40% from three, just a much more reliable shooter. Um, I, I, I really like this acquisition. 
it's kind of strange that we're talking about this now because during the season, I was all on board trading a draft pick for a vet. I had no idea we would be able to get a Robert Covington uh, type of player. Sage, when I texted you that, uh, what was your first first thought? First thought was, holy shit, Robert Covington. But when I looked at trading this year's pick, I, I have no problem with that. But the secondary pick, I was like, that's a lot of draft capital that we're giving up. So I really need to know the protection of the 2021 first round pick. But if it's like lotto protected, I feel pretty good. But that's that's a lot of draft capital, man. And 2021 was going to be a great draft with all of the 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 prospects that are able to create and all the, you know, the tall big men. Like that was going to be a good draft. So depending on the 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 protection is going to be how I feel about this this trade. Robert Covington is a definite improvement for us. Absolutely. Like, I, I think that he is a power forward that can slide up and down a position. I don't think he is a th- like a, you know, a three. I think he can slide down, but he's really like, if we are going to look at the programs that the Moda Center hands out, he is a four. He's a power forward. So to have someone that's that versatile at, at that position that can hit threes at a good rate, it's something we haven't had probably ever or since Rasheed Wallace, like, this is a damn good player. It's just. Yeah. You look at that 2021 draft class has been on the minds of fans and general managers for quite some time. And it's usually they project it based upon the high school class. And with the, the 19 year old age limit, the one and done um, in play, you usually, you know, look at the the high school senior class and you can kind of project out who's going to be uh, available I don't mind giving up that pick because Portland is expecting to make the playoffs and not be a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed. You see Houston take a step back. You see Oklahoma City take a step back. You should believe that you're better than Dallas or Utah when you're healthy. Portland should feel like they are a top four team going into the season. This is just the first of many moves. And when you're trying to win now, Opposing GMs aren't stupid. I mean, we'll talk about the Drew Holiday trade in a minute here, but they're going to try and get a little bit extra out of you. This was mm. almost as more of Portland getting Robert Covington than maybe stopping another contender in their own di- division or conference from getting Robert Covington. And so when you have another player who's hitting the prime of his career, 29 years old, you've got a late 20s player in Nurk, CJ's 29, Dame's 30, like – it's time to, to go in. You kind of have to cash in some of your chips. And I feel okay about it because Portland's farm system, so to speak, is still well-stocked. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to give up on Anthony Simons just yet. We saw the jump that Gary Trent Jr. made after year one. Uh, I expect a similar jump from Nasir Little. And whether we keep him or not, you still have Zach Collins. So that could either be a trade chip or you could hope for internal development. And I also really like Wenyan Gabriel. So there's five players right there. It was highly unrealistic that Portland was going to bring in somebody in, in 2020 or 2021 that was going to make an instant impact. It does happen, but we've discussed this. Terry Stotts usually does not like to play rookies unless they're A, Damian Lillard, or B, it's a last resort like this mm-hmm. year and all of the injuries. So when you factor that in and, and young players need, they need to get a, a rhythm. They need to get playing time to develop and they need a longer leash that they can't feel like they make one mistake and they're out. Portland's mm-hmm. trying to win now. And so 
I like the trade for for both teams. I think this is one of those rare win win trades. Yeah, I think that 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 and Phoenix, the Phoenix yeah. trade are both win wins for what both teams are are uh, going through. And you know, Houston, it looks like there's a potential that they're going to implode. So this is one of those let's get as many picks as possible and try and build something. Like I love Steven Silas. He's been my guy for a long time, and he was handed a really shitty situation for him with the Rockets. Like that has to be the worst possible place to be a first time head coach is in a place where your two superstars are trying to leave and you have no draft picks. And apparently PJ Tucker's upset. Eric Gordon's up. Everybody's upset. So the trading is commencing. They, I think they got what they could out of what Robert Covington is. So it's a good trade. I think for both teams, you, you can definitely see ways that, the Rockets can improve. They have they have flexibility, and that's something they haven't had, won't have for a while because of what they've done in trades. Yeah, there was some crazy stat like Daryl Morey really only made like one draft pick over the past like four or five years. He just tends to trade those picks, and yes, he's gone. But the new current uh, general manager and Steven Silas, the coach, they're dealing with it. They inherited, mm-hmm. and they also gave up a lot of draft capital in the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to recoup some of that. You, you can tell they're they're hitting the reset button in Houston, Portland. We're we're looking to go all in, and we've had some success in our franchise's history in doing some of these trades. You go back to when we were talking to Steve last week. He he brought up that that wonderful trade. There was the ABA dispersal draft. Mm-hmm. We traded our franchise superstar Jeff Petrie. What did we do? We go get Maurice Lucas. Okay, that was a huge acquisition in the summer of '89. Portland had, they had so, it was, it was right there for them. They, they were one piece away. They traded a former draft bust in Sam Bowie, and then they traded another first round pick. And what did they, they, they got Buck Williams. The following summer, they traded another first round pick in Byron Irvin, and they attached another first of that. They got Danny Ainge, led them to 60, the three wins in 91, which followed up that 1990 finals run. And then you go back, I think maybe the one of the most recent trades, and it's crazy. It's been a while in Portland since we've had a big offseason trade. Summer of 99, Pippen's unhappy in Houston. We just unload a bunch of role players, and we bring in Scotty. And it, for, yes, we didn't get the chip, but I would say that that deal worked out. And I, I, I commend Neil for doing it. It could backfire like the Aaron Aflalo trade did, but I, I don't think so. I, I believe in Robert Covington more than, than Aaron Aflalo, mm-hmm. and it's more of a position of need. And, you know, he's going for it. And I think that's really all you can ask for as a Blazer fan because all on Twitter and the message boards, it's like, Neil, what are you doing? Get off your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, f- find us someone to help Dame win now. And he, he did it. And, and uh, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people on the message boards as well who have been anti-Neil that – readily admit this was a good trade. This was a good move for Portland. And I've soured on Neil recently as well. This is a good trade for Portland, but I do want to see how he follows it up. As we've discussed throughout the off season, Portland still has the mid-level exception. They have the biannual exception. They also have a $7 million trade exception. There are three avenues to really bolster this team. Mm. You've got a strong and incredible core. Dame, CJ, Rob Cove, and Nurk. That's 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 incredible. And Gary Trent. GT off the bench. Microwave. Defender. I mean, you have young players in, in ready to go. 
what are you going to do with those three avenues to improve the team? Because it's there. Like there's a path for Portland to get there. Neil's got to bring us home, but I, I commend him for, for, for making that move. Uh, Portland needed that. We needed to know that we were serious about winning and cause there, I think there was a lot of fear in, in Blazer fans minds that we were complacent. We're complacent. You know, we made the Western conference finals in 2019. We were hurt. So let's just run it back. And, and I could have talked myself into that narrative. You better believe it, but it was a conservative, safe narrative. And it's an arms race right now in the NBA, both mm-hmm. conferences. Everyone's ready to go. There's no dominant team. Yes, the Lakers looked great in the bubble, but that was a bubble setting. You've got the Warriors coming back. You've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving over in Brooklyn. You've got the Heat who came out of nowhere and they're ready to, to add chips. You got the Bucks. You got the Bucks who got Drew Holiday. And you've got young teams like, like Phoenix nipping on Portland's heels. They're like, no, we're ready to go all in. Mm-hmm. So Portland, I think it's almost like when you're let's let's say let's take NBA 2K for example. You're the only game on the market, so you can get complacent. You don't have to make money changes. You know people are going to pay for your product year after year. You're making money hand over fist. Yeah. But when there's that other competitor, maybe there's a good version of NBA Live coming up. Like, oh shit, maybe we should hire some new people. Uh, we better improve this game. Let, let's ask our fans like what features would they like. It's kind of what's happening in the Western Conference. Teams around Portland are getting significantly better. And Terry Stotts and the old Shea realize, okay, we, we can't just rest on our laurels now. We got to go out and improve this roster. Sage, how do you see Robert Covington uh, fitting in with, with this team? Uh, I think he just gives Portland so much versatility. You said it perfectly. He has the ability to play the four. He's a four but he can slide up or down. I thought you that was just a, a very great description of his game. I mean, he'll fit like a glove. Like the four in our scheme needs to be able to hit the three because we run that four out scheme. So he needs to be a threat from the perimeter. And he's a plus defender in every aspect. So good defender, good shooter. Like that's going to fit like a glove. That was what Trevor Reza did to add to our, uh, when we were playing our best ball, it was, he was that threat on the perimeter and he worked the off ball. Like he was a great uh, team defender. That's what Robert Covington is. I don't expect him to be the best perimeter guy. I expect him to be a good team defender and create some havoc off ball and, you know, digging into the perimeter on drives and stuff. I, that that's where I see Robert Covington being a huge asset to this team. And we've talked about it for a while now, backup point guard starting for backup center. We got our starting four now. Now it's time to address the other two main issues that we have and getting someone to spell Damian Lillard and getting someone to be the insurance policy for Yusuf Nurkic. And we still have the second round pick. And as we've written in our 6,000 word mock draft, there's some good players that are going to slip because the media and ESPN has said that these players are good and these players are bad. So they're at 45, we might get someone who can be something. And of those three positions of need that we have discussed, I would argue Portland just got the, the, the toughest board. one off the board. Yeah. I mean, well, the rest of it really should be a lot more uh, manageable for, for Neil O'Shea and his staff. And one thing I want to talk about Robert Covington is this is now going to be his fourth team since the beginning of the 1819 season. And I wouldn't view that as a red flag. Some role players in this league are just highly tradable. Yeah. And like Tobias Harris. 
Exactly. You look at his situation. Okay, in Philadelphia, he was considered a core piece. Well, Jimmy Butler came on the market, so they shipped him off to Minnesota. Well, then Jimmy Butler left Minnesota, and Robert Covington was now a really good role player on a team that wasn't ready to win now. So then he was shipped off in part of that three-team trade for for Houston. Houston paid up for him, too. Like, let's not forget, Houston gave up Clint Capella in a first. Mm -hmm. I would argue that's much higher of a price than than we paid in terms of uh, production. And he played well. Like, he he was a core member of a Houston Rockets team that was doing something we've never really seen in basketball with the microball. Like, he was a really versatile player that could allow them to play him at the five. I don't see him playing the five with us, but you know, he'll be in his more, his more natural position as the power forward of a team. And man, like I can't wait to see CJ Dame, Dame CJ, Gary Trent Jr. Robert Covington and Nurk finish out games that there's spacing, there's defense, like dogs all over the, the place. Like that is going to be a fun five to watch. And you look at, at at Robert Houston, he was just really the, the byproduct of, of a strange situation. Houston's now looking to kind of uh, blow it up. And he was moved for, for significant assets. You know, you look at his three-point shooting first career, he's uh, averaging over six and a half attempts per game at about a 36% clip. It peaked at 39% in the, the half season he played with the Sixers in 2018, 2019. It dipped down to 31.5% with Houston. And he, that was like a, if you're open, you shoot type of, like that was the ultimate green light. Exactly. That was also his highest uh, three-point attempts per game at a seven seven point six. And I also feel like playing in so many systems over a, a short duration of time, I think it kind of throws players off their rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully he knows, okay, I'm coming here. I'm going to be here for at least two years because I'm under contract. This team values me and needs me. I also think the looks he's going to get are going to be a lot better. Like he's, there's a difference between being ready off of a catch and shoot than, okay, go in a corner, James, you go dribble for 20 seconds. And then I, you may get the ball at the end of it. Like that's really what that, that offense was in Houston. They just stood around. If Portland can get a little bit more movement, even if it's a couple subtle steps, you're just a little bit more alert, ready, locked in that muscle memory kicks in. Mm-hmm. So I definitely expect his three point percentage to, to skyrocket in, in Portland. Do you think I th- I'd be perfectly content with 35%? Just I just have to have faith that you're gonna get it, you're gonna hit it once it's past due. Like I I, I don't need him to be Aaron Neesmith 50% on really low, low attempts per game against really easy competition. I need <laughs> um, so you know, like I just need him to be a confident three-point shooter and that's what the role needs like he is a great fit for that role i'm hoping for 37 percent. that's what he shot in minnesota i think he's definitely capable of it especially getting yeah. the looks um i'm just really excited that we're going to have a, a person who prioritizes defense i really love the idea of gary trent jr in that finishing five and now Sage, we've talked a lot about robert covington and his fit but what does that next domino look like for the trailblazers i remember when we did our we the episode was called the trailblazers were at a crossroads and we we talked about how this team could improve themselves we looked at some of the trade targets and i'm looking at my notes right now and he was one of the six Mm -hmm. names that that we brought up Mm -hmm. so we, we filled that role but 
Sage, how does this impact Portland and what they do with their mid-level exception? Because that is clearly the biggest avenue. That's the biggest avenue to get get an impact player. And just I'm looking at my list from, I think we did this in October. And there was Jeremy Grant, Goran Dragic, Mason Plumlee, Joe Harris, Trey Burke, Torrey Craig, Jeff Green, Justin Holiday, Jay Crowder, and Nerlens Noel. And I remember at the time we said that Jeremy Grant and Goran Dragic played themselves out of that level. So now that we have Covington, and we also saw that Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer today mentioned that the Trailblazers have expressed interest in Paul Millsap, where where would you go? Like, who, if you have a call now, like you see the roster as is, you have your first call. Who who are you making it to? Jeff Teague or uh, DJ Augustine would be my two. We need that backup point guard. We've we've neglected that spot for so long. Dame needs someone who can spell him without us losing every bit of ground that we earned with Damien in. So I would go to Jeff Teague. I would go to DJ Augustine. Any legitimate point guard with experience that has done a lot of things, who's a vet. I don't want to go with a young player at, at, at that point guard position because it's going to be highly valuable. There's going to be a chance that we just run a three guard lineup to finish games because Jeff Teague or DJ just got hot and we don't want to risk it or George Hill, like George Hill's probably going to get traded. If the, the Blazers wanted to give one of those trade exceptions up to the new Orleans Pelicans, they'd probably do it. I don't think George Hill is going to stay on the Pelicans. So there definitely are options, but I would go lead back. Well, I guess it's not lead guard, but it's backup point guard is where I would go with the mid-level exception. Yeah, and I think you made a good point about the, the trade exception, and that's where I would go after a guy like Ennis Cantor for the center. And so you're right. I think point guard and now small forward are three areas where, where you would look to to fill. Wouldn't Nasir be the, the, the replacement for Ariza? Wouldn't it just be more of the guys that we already have taking up the small forward spot? I wouldn't mind uh, Justin Holiday or something like that, but I think lead guard is now the the thing. I mean, if we wanted to tr- use the exceptions, Alfred Payton's available. There there are definitely backup point guards on the market that we can uh, try and get their services. That that part doesn't really scare me. Backup big. I mean, you can you can find one anywhere, man. Like, just sign one off the heap. It doesn't have to be in a scanter. Like, Dwayne Dedman's available. There's a lot of backup centers that are just rotation guys that that we can pick up. So, I don't. I, I would prefer it to go point guard, but we have options now to fill out the rest of the lineup. Now that we have that starting spot taken care of. I agree that point guard is the the biggest weakness. Backup point guard, obviously. I would prioritize small four just because I think a guy like Jeff Teague or DJ Augustine could be had a little bit cheaper, especially if Portland's thinking about maybe splitting the mid-level exception. I, I think with the NBA and there's being a point guard driven league, neither of those players are really going to be knocking on the other team's door for a starting position. So I think you can maybe make them your second or third call. If I'm looking for a first call, I want to know if a guy like Joe Harris would come. I like Tory Craig. Uh, I, I know you're kind of lukewarm on him, but I think if you can find role players who prioritize defense, can hit open shots, I, I just think that makes our lives so much easier. And um, those are the, I mean, obviously I ask about 
I, I think Jeremy Grant's off the table now because yeah, you because I, I don't think I don't want Robert Covington to have to play the three exactly. So I think all of the the four players that we wanted to use, like the entire mid level, is gone. Um, I mean, if you look at where the league is going, like the most wanted position group in the league like a six eight small forward so yeah absolutely if we can get a if we can get a joe harris that would be dope but i i think that i i would i would uh go point guard just just because we have we've drafted so many wing players with high picks like i would want to give nasir a chance and give uh gary Trent jr more of a role if it was me and I could totally be all for that. I, I also do, now that we have Covington, I am all for making an offer to Paul Millsap. I think the Blazers could use a veteran presence. I was a little lukewarm about him coming in and being a starting four. But if you can preserve that that old man's body, let him play 20 minutes a night. Um, you think, I think that much? Like, I'll give him a good 15. Let him get a little sweat on, but don't, no need to push him until the playoffs. I mean, we, we need depth. Everyone needs a, everyone needs to shoulder a somewhat equal load. But I, don't I really want Dame to just be the the lead leader. We need guys that have been in the league. Yeah, he he's a, he's a defender. He's a smart player. He was the reason they turned that shit around against the Clippers in Game Five. Um, and clearly, Denver's got a lot of free agents, so it would be nice to take a little bit from a division rival. And then and then you're really looking at okay. Zach Collins, do we trade you or do we let you play back up to Nurk? Um, th- because that he would clearly be a strict five. We've been calling it for quite some time now that he is a, a center. But if you have Paul Millsap and then you have Robert Cummington, there's no four minutes there. You use Zach to trade back into the draft so our mock draft can be worth something. That's actually not a, a bad point because I think Portland is now going to really have to play this smart because next year, Gary Trent Jr. is a free agent. And the following summer, you've got Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington now as free agents. Zach Collins will be eligible for an extension next year with, with Gary Trent as well. Or he could take the, the qualifying offer and become a rest- unrestricted free agent with Nurk and Roko. So Neil needs to be playing the long game with these salaries. And you don't want them to stagger up a crew all in one mm-hmm. offseason like we've seen happen in 2016. So I actually don't mind the idea of moving Collins. I've talked about PJ Tucker um, on a previous podcast to, to go for it. Now you can get a, a draft picked. So you're on that team friendly cost controlled contract for, for quite some time. Um, Zach Collins now becomes the, the most interesting player on this roster and what they do with him, because I think everybody else is, is pretty set. I don't think we're going to make many more trades I think it's now what do we do with our exceptions? Because you don't we don't have to give give up anybody to mm-hmm. use it's our exception, yep. or we have our two uh, free agent kind of spots to fill. So Zach Collins now becomes the the what if the what if chip. Do you think Houston would trade the 16th pick for Zach Collins? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. I have I have no idea. You know, the 16th pick was a pretty nice pick in the draft because you miss out on, you know, the those sort of uh, creators, but there's a lot of role players at that spot, you know? So it, it's, I, I think, I think Zach is going to be the talk of the town for the next few weeks. And uh, 
Neil definitely has options open to what do we do with him? I, I, I don't know. Is his trade value the lowest it can possibly be after a stress fracture in his ankle though? Like he is recovering from an injury too. So you got to think of that. No one's going to want to trade an actual asset for a guy that's recovering from a stress fracture. We, we we're in a position where we got the core. It's just trying to build around. And I, I would want vets. I would want guys that can help mentor our young players so that they can take on bigger roles when, you know, our current guys price themselves out of what blazers can afford. So it's, it's, it's about, those vets that can take that mentorship role f- for the Blazers, I think. And, and I would be so happy with a Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague type of MLE split. I mean, absolutely. I think you really start to feel like Portland could become the main threat to Los Angeles. The Clippers have chemistry problems out the butt. I mean, let's be honest there. You've already beaten Denver in a playoff series when you weren't even healthy. So keep Portland needs to keep that in mind. You are a better team than Denver. You're not worse than Utah. Dallas is a team that you're going to have to worry about in the future, but with Porzingis's injury history, that's going to keep him could keep him sidelined for, for a bit. You should still feel like you're a leg above them. It, it, to me, it really comes down to what do the new look warriors look like and the Los Angeles Lakers and Sage, I would be thrilled if we are a top four team in, in the West. I think, I, I think everybody would be happy with that after you last have, year's yeah. injury. You've got to give Dame a shot. And uh, I think being in that top four, getting the, the home court advantage, at least in the first round and hopefully in the second round, you feel like you've done your superstar uh, a justice. You know, you've mm-hmm. really came to bat for him. And that's really all you could ask. You know, I'm really excited that we got this deal done. I saw that notification. Pause the show we were watching on Netflix, and I just started mumbling "trade, trade, trade." Like, oh, I was like, "What's?" I'm like, "We just got trade, we trade." And I just like tweeted, sent you the link, and yeah, uh, definitely like the biggest like endorphins rush is when you get that bomb Woj notification. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, like that. This is this is a good night. Like that, that that's a good break from reality to be discussing this, this trade with you, but Sage, there've been quite a few other trades that we're going to talk about just a little bit. Uh, First and foremost was the one we woke up to this morning, Uh, the Phoenix Suns trading uh, two young players plus Ricky Rubio plus Kelly Oubre for Chris Paul. Um, This is just an incredible turn of events in terms of the Chris Paul horrible contract narrative when he goes to OKC, they, they fleece them with extra draft capital has a fantastic season with the thunder. They do better than they did with Westbrook and Paul George. Mm. And now the thunder are like, okay, that's cool, but we really probably should tank and they're doing it the right way. And so then they get more draft capital for, for Paul. And you mentioned it. This is another win-win trade. I think let's look at it from Phoenix's point of view first. I think it can go one of two ways. It could either go the Mike Conley route with the Jazz where you give up quite a bit and he's just not that player he was the year prior. Um, I do think right knee is always going to be an issue. With the hamstring. I mean, Paul, Paul has an injury history and make no mistake about it. He is a better player than Mike Conley has ever been, but he is 35, 36 years old. He's been playing basketball in the NBA professionally since 2005. Got a lot of mileage on it. But again, when you are a team, when you are a team like the Phoenix Suns, who hasn't made the playoffs since 2010, 
They haven't made the NBA Finals since 93. They haven't really had a lot to cheer about since making those playoffs. It's been a lot of blunders in Phoenix, especially at the draft level. I think for them to be able to keep Cameron Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and that number 10 pick, I think you still keep the bright core Mm. going, glowing in Phoenix, and then you add this veteran that – I think it's a smart move. I think you need to keep Devin Booker happy. I think you need to give your fans a playoff push. And he's better than Ricky Rubio, and you weren't going to pay Kelly Oubre next offseason either. I think this is a fabulous trade for the Phoenix Suns pending Chris Paul's health. I mean, it's always going to be Chris Paul's health. I mean, he's going to make DeAndre Ayton's life a lot. It's going to make it hell for a few games when he's yelling at him nonstop. But, you know, at the end of the year, he's going to be like, damn. He really helped me out. Chris is all about that tough love. You've seen you've seen it all the time. You saw him yell at DeAndre. You've seen him yell at Tyson Chandler. You've seen him yell at David West, Blake Griffin. There's so many people he's yelled at. But at the end of the day, they're all like they're they all say he made me a better player. So I think DeAndre Ayton is just the next line of he yelled at me. He made my life hell for these these games, but he made me better. And at DeAndre, he puts up stats. He's a good basketball player. Of course, he's going to be overshadowed by Luca and uh, Trey Young, but he's a good basketball player. He puts up respectable numbers. If you can get him using his awesome movement abilities to play defense, and I know Chris Paul is going to get on him about that. Like DeAndre Ayton is going to be the biggest X factor in this. Like, there's not that many teams that can handle a seven-one beast like DeAndre Ayton. That's like uh, that's like zigging when everybody else is zagging. When you have a guy like him. Uh, I was watching Espo's show and they were just so happy and they still have an opportunity if they can just push the trade to the end of the fiscal year for $18 million. So you could add a Davis Bertans, a, a Serge Ibaka, a real, a real power forward for that team. And they were saying that the trade actually, um, I saw actually, that as well, but it actually is completed. I've seen both okay. teams. So now that they have the, they have the same it. stuff we do with yeah. the, the Emily. So, I mean, it takes you out of the Davis thing, but you know what? You still got Chris Paul and the Suns guys were saying Kelly Ube was not going to be a part of their future. So you traded someone who wasn't going to be part of your future anyway, because you had Mikael Bridges and, you know, I guess there was a lot of issues between Kelly and then the Suns with them refusing to play in the, the bubble. So you traded somebody that wasn't part of your core and Ricky Rubio, who I, I, I think he helped Devin Booker, but Chris Paul is one hell of a, he's one of the best point guards ever. So you, you trade, you trade him away and you don't really think about it because you got a top five point guard and you can have bookers and take a next level, go to the next level. You got Aiton who's going to go to the next level. And I think Mikel Bridges is going to go like, this is going to be a good team. If Chris Paul's knees can hang. Very finely coached by Monty Williams. I might add. Oh yeah. And you know, Monty's psyched to get his guy back. They had one year in new Orleans. Like those two were, they went to church together. Those two were boys. Like Monty's got, Monty has a field general now that can call out plays just as well as he could. Like Monty Williams is a happy, happy man in Phoenix. And then quickly from Oklahoma city's perspective, I like what they were able to do. They're clearly getting assets and flipping them. Like this is a 2k rebuild. I think the one caveat I would put on that is I think they've got like 17 picks from now until 2020. Do you think they Boston themselves? 
that that was my caveat. And I think they may have too many chips if that. The thing with Boston is they actually got top three picks from the Brooklyn Nets. Like those picks panned out. What you're looking at right now is they got the number 28 pick in this year's draft for Dennis Schroeder because they overachieved and made the playoffs as a top four seed or top five seed, excuse me. They're picking, I think, 24 or 25 in this year's draft as well. So those are two late picks. It really all depends on what happens with Houston and all of those pick swaps, what happens with the Clippers and all of those mm-hmm. those pick swaps. And so you're just you're playing the long game. And the only th- reason I worry is Shea Gilgis, because they're going to trade Steven Adams, make no mistake about it. Shea Gilgis is really the only good prospect I think they have on that roster right now. I, I think they could, they definitely need to tank next year. It's a strong mm-hmm. draft, which we've discussed. But if it starts getting into that Philadelphia trust the process type of stuff, I don't know if the NBA has the stomach to see that happen again. We saw them step in once and, and kind of uh, nip that in the bud, whether you believe that should have happened or shouldn't. Uh, so, so, yeah, no, I was thinking uh, they actually, who was it? Colangelo, Brian Colangelo went in there and uh, had to start mo- uh, redoing some of the stuff that uh, Sam Hinkie did. So the Sixers basically, I think, were told he got to get Hinky out of there. And uh, a lot of Philadelphia fans weren't happy about that. They bought into the trust, the process. So it's just going to be interesting because they have a lot of assets. There's only 15, 14 players on the roster. You can only do so much. So, yeah, Sam Presti has done a fantastic job so far with the hand that he was dealt. But he's going to have to now, I think, do an even better job in consolidating. It's, I think it's harder to make a consolidating trade then get the value that he got for, for Russ or, or PG. Like those players were in demand. He had the other GMs really back against the wall. Now the, 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 the roles are reversed and you're being like, Hey, I, I've got three Toyota Camrys. I want your, your Lamborghini. And like, I don't know about that. So it's, it's a tougher sell. So long story short in the short term, I like what Oklahoma city is doing, but they really are going to have to to execute uh, multiple times over the next couple of years before we're like, okay, this, this, these were the right moves and the franchise looks like it's in a good hands because say the Western conference isn't going anywhere. Uh, mm. It's, it's going to be a bloodbath to get back into the good graces of the top eight seats. So w- we will see, but that was the, the first trade of the day. We also have to talk about your beloved drew holiday getting moved for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill and significant draft capital, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. I'm looking at a tweet right now from Keith Smith, NBA, who says the general consensus from those around the NBA is that Milwaukee made the holiday trade with a commitment from Giannis to sign Supermax. Multiple versions of, and I quote, you can't do that without Giannis already locked in, end quote, were said to me tonight. And I think that makes a lot of sense because Sage, they gave up a lot of future draft capital for arguably the best uh, guard defender in, in the game. Best uh, point of attack defender for sure. And man, like, I think that Eric Bledsoe, like they, they had this, this narrative about Eric Bledsoe being a good defender that can create for himself and others. And Drew Holiday is what Bucks fans wanted Eric Bledsoe to be. He is that guy. He is that dude. So they get what they want. Like if, if, if Drew Holiday 
leads to them being able to sign Giannis to a Supermax, that trade was worth it for them. Yeah, they gave up a lot of assets, but if Drew's the catalyst for them getting the most special player to come out of Greece ever and just be a wrecking ball, it was kind of worth it. Like, I know that what what happened. So as you were talking, uh, we have a Woj bomb. So Milwaukee is going all in on this trade. Uh, They're doing a separate trade with the Sacramento Kings. They are landing Bogdan Bogdanovich in a sign and trade deal. So you're looking at a Kings or a Bucks starting five that is going to consist of Drew Holiday, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez. So crazy. I would be interested to see what they're giving up um, because they already gave up two of their prime pieces. Mm -hmm, With George and Eric. Robin Lopez is opting out. He's becoming a unrestricted free agent. So they've got guys like Dante DiVincenzo. I think they've got DJ Wilson and and Sterling Brown, but. $7 million of uh, Ursan Elisovic's contract. Yeah. I mean, you you know, uh, Bogey's about to get paid too. So this is. uh, This is their team regardless. Like. I think Drew Holiday is getting a, a max contract. He has to. He has so much leverage over the Bucks right now, bro. He is getting a max. And I think that Bogey's going to get paid as well. So you've got you got five guys making serious serious money on this team. And I don't even know what Brooke Lopez is, but like they have they have their core. They can't really do anything else. This is our this is our team. Do you think Bogey can play the lead guard like you know have like a usage rate of like 22 23 24 hell no i'm sh- as soon as you said lead guard i shook my head no he is a prototypical two guard that has the green light every time he gets the he ball can, he can ball handle a little bit though but the, i i don't think that's where you want him he is at best when he is a scoring player don't i think coaches have a tendency to try to get too much or spread their players too thin you need to look at a player and say, what are your strengths? Stay in, in this area. I'm going to make you the best version of yourself. So is Drew Holiday their lead point guard? I mean, I've assumed they acquired Drew Holiday to play point guard. Man. He was a point guard for the majority of his career. He, he, he prefers to be off ball. Actually, like when, when it was the – when AD was on the team, when he actually wanted to play basketball – there was a stretch where like Alfred Payton got hurt and uh, Drew went into the media and said, put Anthony at point guard. Let me play off ball. So I think there might be a problem if Drew is expected to be the lead guard and you're what's up. So this is actually a really impressive haul that the Bucks were able to, to, to get, they, they get Bogdanovich. They only give up DiVincenzo. Ilyasova and DJ Wilson. So I make that trade 10 out of 10 times, 14 out of 10 times. If you so, can, but my thing is who's lead ball handler. Cause I don't think drew wants it. Giannis. Yeah. So, but then we get to the spot where in the playoffs, they just load up against Giannis and he won't be as effective. I, if I was the bucks, I would want like a guy that can also play. Like I drew holiday has no problem with being the lead guard, but. I know in his heart he would rather be the guy that 
defends their best player and dribbles the ball up sometimes, not all of the time. Yep, that's for uh, Milwaukee to figure out. But I also will say I, I do like having Middleton and Bogdanovich on those wings. Brooke Lopez oh, you, can also shooters. They got shooters. Brooke Lopez can also do that as well. And I think Drew Holiday, if he's going to get that max, he needs to be able to handle the ball. He needs to be able to take some of the pressure off of Giannis. He's going to have to play point. Like if he's going to want that max, he's going to have to show that versatility because I think that's they they wouldn't have given up all of that draft capital mm-hmm. for him to be a two guard. Like he he's got to lead lead the offense. He's got to hit open shots and he's got to do what he did to Portland in the 2018 playoffs. That, I think that's a wiring issue. He doesn't do that all the time. I think that there, there, there's games where he's just like, well, this dude isn't scoring on me. But there's, a, I mean, he, I think he, he's a nice guy. He doesn't want to dominate other players all the time. Like, I, I, Butler has that, that I'm not losing this thing. The I, I hate losing more than I like winning type of mentality. I think Drew's the opposite where he's kind of n- too nice, but get like, I love him. He is going to be a great fit for them. I just worry about the playmaking duties for the Bucks. Well, they probably still have their mid-level exception. They can figure things out there. They're going to be a title contending team once again. So you'll be able to get a buyout options uh, later on in the season. You'll get players to take uh, more team-friendly deals to come join them. It happens to the contenders all the time. But I really, yeah, I really like these moves for Milwaukee. I, I do think they overpaid for Holiday. But again, if it gets Giannis to sign the extension, and you don't ha- one, you you get the MVP locked up. That's that's a huge W. But almost more importantly, you don't play an entire season of. Giannis, what's your free agency status? So where are you going to go? What teams are you looking at? Are you thinking about free agency at all? Like that in itself wears a team down, not just Giannis. It wears the entire team down. It's like a black cloud of rain that follows just this one team from city to city day after day. And if he actually does indeed sign an extension, um, you just have to do it. Uh, I think that they are the clear favorites now in the Eastern conference. And I think they've addressed a lot of their faults and they've shown their superstar, we're here to win. And that goes back to what Portland did with Robert Covington. We, we showed our superstar that we're not jumping out of this arms race. We're going head first. We want a chance because we like our squad up against your squad. It's going to be, you know, a mix of styles. And, and yeah, the, the Bucks look incredible. But Sage, I'd much rather Giannis stay in Milwaukee than team up in South Beach or, heaven forbid, come over to the Bay Area. So stay in the Eastern Conference. We'll meet you in the finals when when that when that uh, time comes. But I want to get your thoughts on this Drew Holiday trade from a Pelicans perspective, a Western Conference perspective, and, and you. He was your favorite player in the league. How are you feeling? Like this is really like an hour after it happened. What what are the raw emotions like for you? My guy is gone. You know, we traded for him in 2013. He's been on the team forever. He's never complained, bitched, and moaned. He played his heart out every game. Like, he played himself to exhaustion every dan- every game. Like, that's just Drew Holiday. So, in that matter, I'm sad that my guy's gone. But the second thought was, Bucks better win this chip for, for Drew. That's That's what I would like for him the most is he needs to be in a a team where he gets to show off what skill set he has and how he really is the best uh, 
the best perimeter defender in the league. Like that, I I was really happy for Drew because he's too good of a player to only have made the the playoffs, you know, twice in in his time in New Orleans. And I know he's dealt with injuries and a lot of personal problems, but this is a chance for him to really be on that winning team that he really deserves to be on. And I I, I think that they wouldn't even be making this trade if they didn't think the best possible thing for new Orleans was getting Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, the ball more like that. That's it. Isn't a timeline issue. It isn't anything else. It's we got to get these two used to handling the ball and being the, the usage rate guys that the, the team needs from them. Those two need to be the decision makers. And if you can get them those reps in a time where, we're not really expecting much except be the lead guard. I mean, the future is big men distributors. Like you see Jason Tatum, you see what Zion Williamson can do. Luka Doncic is a big, ma- bigger man that makes a lot of def- like the, the, the decision for his team. James Harden, he's big. Like that is where the league is going with more bigger players making decisive moves. Joker. I mean, there's so many examples of it. So the Pelicans are going with, this is where the future is. We have to get Brandon and Zion used to it. You're muted. Do you expect Bledsoe or Hill? I think Bled's gone. What's that? I think Bled's gone. I know that Atlanta and another team are very interested in him. I think they're gone. But if he stays, he provides a lot of what Drew, like, I mean, base stats. Like, he choked so bad in the playoffs that they had to add three different picks. Like, if you think about it, Bled is like a pseudo version of Drew. I I think there's a very good chance that he's not on the team. George Hill might, because there's a lot of kids at this kid's table. Like, it's it's JJ and Josh Hart that are the players that are on contract that are able to buy alcohol. So, wait, can Josh Hart purchase booze now? He's playing a four-year player, I believe, at Nova. Yeah. Man. But yeah, like there's not that many vets on the team and you need to have older vets that can be like, guys, this is what I, my experience and uh, help them with the development and mentorship. And I know Drew and JJ were great mentors. So hopefully they can continue to build on what Drew built in New Orleans for since 2013. It definitely was sad, but now that it's a full hour after the trade happened, I'm really happy for Drew. And so we've discussed teams like Portland and Phoenix getting better. Obviously, Oklahoma City is taking a step back, and and your Pelicans appear to probably be a a year or two away from making a a playoff push. Golden State going to make that that playoffs, and so you're always wondering, okay, who's now? Like You're doing the math in your head for Phoenix to make it. Who's going to have to jump out? It might be Houston, Sage, and there have been reports, and this really just kind of manifested itself out of nowhere that all of a sudden, James Harden wants out. It's Philadelphia. Now it's it's Brooklyn. We've seen. Wasn't some, it Philly, Miami, and Brooklyn? I've only heard I've only heard Philly and Brooklyn. It could be Miami, but um, incredibly interesting that the Rockets have they, they were within one game of going to the NBA Finals, and they've just completely tore it down. 
over the course of the next year, they, they let D'Antoni go or D'Antoni left because he was fed up with the ownership situation. Uh, Daryl Morey resigned. Uh, the trader Robert Covington, it seems like Russell Westbrook wants out. Uh, PJ Tucker's upset with his contract. Uh, Austin Rivers is unhappy. Mm-hmm. And now apparently James Harden is unhappy. We talked about that, that CP3 for Westbrook trade leaving Houston extremely dry in, in capital when it comes to the NBA draft. I honestly think this is the right time for Houston to hit that reset button. I mean, my God, Sage, they, they were trying to play P.J. Tucker at the five long term. The micro ball was never going to work. It was always a gimmick. But I, I don't really love any of these trade suggestions that, that I've seen for James Harden. Like, I don't like the player. Top seven player in the league, bar none. They are He's under contract, too. So it's not like an Anthony Davis. It's not a Kawhi Leonard situation. You're getting the guy for multiple years, and I've just seen some absolute booty trade suggestions. So if I'm a Houston fan, I'm sleeping a little restless tonight. Mm. And Philly seems to be the one team where it kind of makes sense. But is Houston really going to trade their MVP candidate to Daryl Morey after he left them high and dry? Is there a chance that they do that? I seriously, seriously doubt that they'd be willing to to work with a guy that kind of left their franchise in a shitty spot. So, I, you know that that's the one that kind of makes sense with Ben Simmons, but is I don't think they'll do it. I mean, the Nets, like who the fuck is taking the back seat on that team with those three really you know dominant scorers? But they're pretty damn selfish. Like, how is that? How would that work? And I doubt Miami is the type of team that would be willing to take on a guy like James Harden, even though he's skilled, there's that whole concept of heat culture. He is not part of the heat culture. So yeah, if I was a Houston fan, I would, I would be, I would be sleeping very uneasy tonight just because there's so many decisions. And I mean, the Blazers kind of took, one of their main players that was able that, that made them able to play micro ball with uh, Robert Covington. So it's not like th- th- there's no way they're going to be as good as they were last year. So it's going to be interesting how the Houston management does this, th- these, these trades. Cause I think Russ is gone and I think James probably will be too. I read something that he declined the supermax today. Yeah, if I'm Houston, the conversations start and end with Ben Simmons. I think he's the best young player they can get and a true cornerstone to build your franchise around. I don't like trading an incredible player for a bunch of spare parts and no disrespect to Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and Karis LeVert. But when you're being compared to a former MVP, you're spare parts. And I don't think you win that trade if you're if you're Houston. The team that gets the best player in the deal nearly always wins the deal. And Drew Holiday got he 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 could leave next year. He really could. And the Bucks traded three first round picks, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill for him. That means that the for a shooting guard, like for a guard, the trade the trades are gonna be much more than what we thought. Like, yo, there was there were people that thought Drew Holiday was getting traded to the Nuggets for. Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton. That isn't happening now with what happened to Drew. Like, if James Harden gets traded, there's going to be real assets. So all of the trade machine work that people have been posting, that isn't feasible anymore because Drew Holiday set that market. You're not going to trade an MVP for less than you traded for Drew Holiday, who 
is my favorite player, but I know in my heart that James Harden's better. All right. Real quick before we move on, I need your knee-jerk grade. I want the grade from your Pelicans and the grade from your Blazers. Assume the pick is lotto-protected from Portland in 2021. If it's lotto-protected in 2021, I like it. I would give it a solid B+. Um, From the Rocket side, it's just the beginning of the end of that roster they put up. So they got two picks out of it. Good for them. They definitely get a B plus on it as well. Um, Bucks get an A plus of Giannis resigns. Pelicans, I, I can't give a grade yet because it's not complete. I know something else is going to happen from that. So if it ends right now, which I seriously doubt, what what's up? Knee-jerk reaction. I want the trade grade. I just know that there's going to be something else. So B. I, I, that's a fu- it's a lot of shit though it's a lot of shit but it's all dependent on what the bucks happen to do so taking a bet on a team that's really great right now to fall off you know they did the same thing with the lakers so it's like you're taking bets on shit that might or might not happen so it's a you know it's a risk that david griffin felt good with so i'll, I'll give it a b plus that's why it's a knee-jerk reaction because you're you're grading it now. Like, what do you think is going to happen? So that's why I was just trying to get you. But to- I, th- I think that Eric Bledsoe will go to Atlanta or something, and we'll get picks, and maybe Kevin Her or something. I don't know. Like, what do you think about? Oh, and I, I think the Chris Paul one's a very good. Like all of them have been good trades. None of it disgusts me except the Dennis Schroeder one because I know it helps the Lakers. All it of those does, but then they, they may lose Rajon Rondo, who was extremely key in, in their run. Uh, I would say if we're looking at the trades, um, I'll give Oklahoma City uh, a B- minus uh, for the Chris Paul trade. I, I thought the market was a little bit hotter for him. Uh, again, they may be able to turn Rubio or Ubre into something, and it, it may increase or decrease. Mm-hmm. But right now, judge it by what it is, a B-. minus. I, I, I like Phoenix going for it. Uh, I'll give them an A minus. I don't really think they lost much. Uh, they still have all of their exceptions and they've got picks and young players. I think mm-hmm. he's the exact player they need. Uh, good on them for, for going for it. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks for Drew Holiday, I'm going to give it a, a B minus. Um, well, what if Giannis signs the contract? If Giannis signs the extension, I, I think it's a solid A. Um, I still think your really hampering what you can do when you have Giannis on your team because you gave away all those assets because you're trying to get him to come back. So I think he did put them kind of in a precarious. Oh, yeah. They were desperate. That's why situation. they gave up. Yeah. <laughs> so the trade reeks of desperation to me. Um, I, I think holiday is an upgrade and I think they did one better by getting Bogdanovich. So, so solid good night for Milwaukee. It looks good. Now it could reek down the road. So that's why I'm B B minus. I'm not as, not as high on that one. Uh, for the Pelicans, I, I like what they did. Uh, looking at all the draft uh, capital, I'll give them a solid uh, B there as well. Uh, Houston, A. I mean, you got two picks and an expiring contract for a player who's not part of your future. And Maurice I'll give, has played there before. Yeah, this is, this, this is his third stint in Houston. Uh, He's used to the city. He knows where the spots are. Um, and for Portland, I, I think it's a, it's an A as well. Uh, you've got your starting four uh, the 16th pick in this draft wasn't going to play on your roster. And again, if you're expected to do what you're going to do, 
a late 20s pick next year. Again, not going to play on your roster. This is Damian Lillard's window, five years. What are you going to do about it? So the Blazers, they they went all in. I think they got a really great piece that fits with what they're going to do, fits in the system. Um, so I really, I mean, honestly, there's not been a trade where I'm like, oh, what the fuck was that team thinking mm-hmm. about? So it's been pretty fun so far, except for the Kings. That That's just an ass return that they so got. So it's, it's $7 million dollars off the uh Urson thing and then D- Dante DiVincenzo is DJ Wilson it isn't DiVincenzo really close to buddy like that whatever they're silly all right Sage we've spent a little over an hour talking about all of these trades and what was supposed to be a draft podcast but that's the nature of 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 the business uh, I Blazers <laughs> trade into the draft yeah, I still am excited for the draft. I'm still going to watch it, you know, right at four o'clock. I'm going to be ready to go. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. I don't think we necessarily need to talk about our favorite picks. We, we've done that before. But yeah, but you, you bring up a good question. Do you think the Blazers are going to tr- tr- trade back into the draft? They have, uh, I think, the 45th or 46th pick right now in the second round. Boston's a team that's got three first round picks. OKC's got two first round picks. Uh, Milwaukee, I think, has multiple first-round picks, or they did before they gave them to uh, New Orleans. So there are options for them. Again, we, we've discussed this. I don't think they're moving Simons, Trent, or Little to move into this draft. I think it's really Zach Collins. And how high can you get? And also, you've got to look at it. Do, do, does it, Is it worth it? Like, Zach is hurt. His value is low. He looked good in 2019, not so much in 2020. Portland has to play this right because again, you don't want to just throw a player away to, to throw them away. But um, I, I think, I still think Portland isn't done. And although Paul Allen's not with us anymore, I think his spirit lives on in terms of his love for the draft and the Blazers have always been active around this time. So, you know, I don't think we'll know anything maybe until day of or pick of, and you might see something happen, but I, I think it's still a flip of a coin as to what the Blazers could do. There's a lot of ready-made talent that, that could come in. There's also a lot of swing for the fences picks, which really is up Olshay's alley that he just loves to bring them into the system and work with them. And it's a player that you can send to the G League. You know they're not going to complain about minutes. This draft is basically you have a handful of role players ready to win out, and you have a, just, a, just a plethora of players who are two years away from being two years away. But if they hit it's like you won the lottery. And so I could see Portland being extremely interested in players like uh, Poku, Jaden McDaniels, RJ Hampton, um, Tyrese Maxey. There's a lot of young talent that didn't really show it off their freshman year or even overseas that could slide in the draft. I mean, that's another thing you have to keep on, keep an eye on. We saw a guy like Brandon Clark slide in the draft last year. Memphis swooped in, took him, had a fantastic rookie campaign. Portland don't. Portland uh, was uh, the recipient of that as well. And Mr. Little was a projected top 10 pick, falls to 25. So it, you just never know what's going to happen. I, I think it's a flip of a coin. What about you? I think if Boston misses out on Onyeka Konwu, Zach Collins could be the athletic center that they desire because, I mean, when you look at Grant Williams, he isn't going to be athletic. Daniel Tice, like they're looking for that guy, that switchable guy. They could take a chance on zach collins and i would look at boston as a example there, there's maybe you i don't know if utah wants to trade it into a, in in conference rivals but they're looking for a big i would say if you they miss out on on yeka 
there's going to be teams that are going to be trying to trade picks. And I think Boston's one. I mean, teams with multiple picks. I, I think Boston's at, at the prime example of it, though. I, I w- they have two late 20s, right? 14, uh, 26, and 30. Would you trade Zach for 14? Ooh, that, that would be extremely tempting, especially if who was on the board uh, at that pick. Absolutely. Who would so you target in a hypothetical draft? 14. Who, give me a couple names that you would be thrilled to see Portland take. Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> um, you know, like, yeah, I think Tyrese would, like, you asked me earlier before all of this trade madness happened, what's my hot take of the draft? I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be a legit number two on a contending team. So I would take Tyrese Maxey if he's there at 14. There's always that chance that one of our guys that we really love is there. I, I think Tyrese Maxey's that. Um, I don't think you'd. I don't think you trade up for Desmond Bain. So I think Tyrese Maxey would be my one guy that I would trade up for. I know if like Devin or Anyeka drops, which I seriously doubt, those would be there too. But I think Maxey at fourteen. Yeah, I think it just depends who drops. If you see Devin Vassell from Florida State, a wing who's a three and D. I personally like Sadiq Bay from Villanova who could come in and I think give you backup minutes to Covington. Uh, he's projected to go much higher than 14. Um, it just, again, depends on who's who's available. And again, you're getting a, a team-friendly deal for three, four years, whereas in Zach Collins, it's really this year or what do you do? You're in a really yeah, it, tough it's, situation. It, we're running out of time to kick the can down the road. It's one of two decisions. We trade them or we sign them to a major extension. And do we do that now that we traded for Covington? Like where does his minutes that, that is a really good point because it was always, okay, you're going to start Nurk and Zach at your front court of the future. Well, Neil O'Shea said, no, no, no. Robert Covington and Nurkic are the front court of the now, and both are under contract for two more seasons. Zach Collins is never going to, barring injury, you know, knock on wood that doesn't happen, but barring injury, Zach Collins is only going to get an opportunity to start if someone gets hurt. And, and I just, I don't think, that's what Neil envisioned when he picked him in the lottery in 2017. Um, so, yeah, and you talk about kicking the can. Portland needs to make a decision. You don't want to uh, really be uh, – just get into the situation you got with Myers Leonard where mm-hmm. you have a young player and you're like, oh, I think he's going to get better. I th- this is the year. No, no, next year's the year. And you keep talking yourself into it. And before you know it, you're saddled with a forty-year or a four-year, forty million-dollar contract. Mm-hmm. So, does that does Robert Covington increase the chance that we trade him? I think so, uh, especially when you look at where the mid-level exception targets lie. They're still at the four, some at the one. Um, I, I just don't know what you realistically would do with Zach. I think he's a player that probably wants some playing time and I don't think he's going to get it in Portland. And I think Portland would be fine using their, their trade exception on, on a backup center. Um, I, I think Zach Collins, you know, we've talked about this on, on an episode or two before I would move him for PJ Tucker. I know that's an incredible win now move. And there's a probably a 13 year age difference between the two players, but we're talking about Damian Lillard and I don't have time to wait for Zach Collins to, to come around and it could turn out to be a short sighted trade, or it could be just the player that we need to, to get over the hump. So um, I, I think Zach is our, our best piece to do so, but um, 
what what was your what was your draft hot take again? Tyrese Maxey will be a top five player in this draft and be a the second guy in a contender. Okay. Uh, yeah, man, I'm taking my stance. That's every fine, no. every player is a risk. Every single one, even Devin Vassell. Even, I mean, you're taking a huge risk on Lamelo Ball and Anthony. Everyone is a risk. I'm taking. I feel good about my bet on Tyrese Maxey being a number two on a contending team. My hot take is this draft is like 2013. The best player, when we look at it five, 10 years down the road, will not have been selected in the top 10. I think some team is going to find themselves an absolute gem, um, whether it's late lottery, mid first, late first. Uh, you look at Giannis going post lottery, Rudy Gobert going post lottery. Uh, CJ McCollum, I think, was actually drafted around 10, I think exactly at 10. So those wasn't, were the, wasn't it Trey Burke at ten and then uh, CJ at eleven? Because I remember you're gonna make me look up shit when I don't want to look up. Lasers thought they were getting Trey Burke, but it was really CJ McCollum at the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings watch party, wasn't it? Trey Burke was nine, CJ was ten. I got the order right, <laughs> just the, not the draft order, but I got the players. But uh, I, I mean, I think that. Right now, the Blazers don't – the draft isn't exciting, but, man, if someone drops, I definitely think we would trade Zach for the right to pick that person. And, you know, Neil has a weird fascination with guards that have a chance at being a playmaker. Can I be real? You know who I think Neil O'Shea loves the most? Who? I think he loves Xavier Tillman. That's the player I would be on board with. He took a chance on Caleb Swanigan, who at Purdue was a center that was a playmaker, that was a leader on that Purdue team. I am willing to pay money that Xavier Tillman is far superior to Biggie Swanigan. And I think that he sees Xavier as a leader. He's played in school for multiple years. He can play defense. He can pass. I would. I think the Blazers are going to trade and try and get Xavier Tillman, and I love him. So that really works. He's my favorite prospect in this draft. And so let's say Portland just ends up with their second round pick for the night. Uh, give our audience just a couple of players around the, the mid forties who you would be excited if Portland was able just to add to their farm system. Grant Reeler, give me the guy that actually can break down players and create space for himself to either shoot. Or drive in for lap. Give me Grant Wheeler. I know I said it on the prospect that he is a boomer bust, but give me him because if he hits, dude, we have our third guard and for for a long time. Like Grant Wheeler is has the potential with his dribbling and his quick first step and all of his moves and the counters for his moves to be something special. And if he's there at forty six, hell yeah. You have Grant Reeler going 25 in our mock draft on holybackboard.com. I said players available in the 40s, my dog. Well, if you look at Tankathon, he's in the 40s. I was tired of writing about players I think suck. So I was like, boomer bust, baby. Give me Grant Reeler. It was tough for us to draft guys like Precious and every Pac-12 wing. We At, at, at the end of the day, we just kind of win our own ways with some of the late draft guys. So Grant... It, I see people love Grant Wheeler. I draft people on Twitter love Grant Wheeler. But mainstream and actual teams, 
may not like Grant Wheeler as much as I do. I would say there are two players that, that I would be interested in. PP? I think he's going to go in the first round. That's Peyton Pritchard, point guard from Oregon. I, I see um, where's it? Mason Jones. He can fill it up at oh, Arkansas. Man, give me tr- <laughs> Sorry. I know Gary Trent loves him, but I don't. <laughs> We're talking about a player at 46 age. Please quit critiquing my prospects. <laughs> you know how much I've been doing it. Come on. And also, I want to see what the fuck the hype is with Jay Scrub. So if he's there, just fucking pick him. I want to see if this kid's good or not. We've heard so many things about him. I don't know if it's a smokescreen or not, but the the Juco to pro prospect, fuck it. I'm interested. Let's. That has to be a top five worst name for an athlete, right? It's probably the worst. Like your last name is Scrub. Like yeah. now checking in, the, the I'm guarding the Scrub. Like that's, uh, I mean... So I, I do kind of want to see what, what the hype is about. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll find out on, on Wednesday night. Sage, mm-hmm. there was a lot to discuss. And I'm sure this won't be the, the last uh, podcast uh, of the week because we got free agency ramping up on, on Friday, Friday mm-hmm. evening. I'm looking forward to that. Got got my drinks ready. I'm going to sit back, have my phone charged. And it's just going to be, it's going to be a great NBA pre-Thanksgiving just barrage uh, of news that that i i really can't can't wait for um one thing i will say uh visit holybackboard.com we are both putting out content on the regular including our inaugural mock draft we worked so hard on this it took basically all of last week about six thousand words really went pretty in depth on each of the prospects and uh, I really loved how it turned out. Sage did some great scouting reports on Xavier Tillman and Tyrese Maxey. Um, we're going to have more coming up, especially when we see how the Blazer roster is shaping up. Um, I've got one in the mix on more of the, the aesthetics of, of the NBA that I'm really looking forward to, to sharing with all of you. But again, if you can hit up holybackboard.com. I mean, we're, we're coming at you with content from the podcast and also from the written Um we love talking hoops. Uh, check it out. Yeah. And uh, if you've listened this far, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. You can check us out every Tuesday, 2 to 3 on Dash Radio, nothing but net radio. And we're out of here. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will be back for any uh, new Blazers news. And peace. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.